So this week I am sharing a really exciting announcement. And if you're listening live this week, I'm also bringing back one part of my three-part series on how to unlock the power of ChatGPT. And I'm doing both of these things because I just launched a new ChatGPT resource for nonprofits that I am so, so excited about. It's the nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters. So for those of you who are longtime listeners, you have heard me talk about ChatGPT before. I am really bought into this tool. It is not some fancy, super techie tool that needs to be built out and figured out. It should be as integrated into your workflow and as simple as Google Docs. It's a capacity builder and a time saver. And my goal is to make it easy for organizations, particularly small and growing organizations where time and money and capacity are really an issue to tap into the power of ChatGPT. If you aren't, you're leaving capacity on the table and I want to help you solve that problem. So I took the questions and the conversations that I've been having with nonprofits for the last really six or seven months and turned it into a concrete tool, which is one of my favorite things to do. The nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters is an all-in-one workspace that supports you at every phase of using ChatGPT in your workflow, from giving you ideas to giving you prompts that you can cut and paste right into ChatGPT, to giving you an already built out place to save and organize the prompts that you like, the personalities that you try, and all of the work that you do using ChatGPT. So, If you are still on the fence about ChatGPT, listen to this week's episode. If you're listening to a different episode and hearing this preview, head on over to this week's episode and get inspired. And when you're ready to take the next step and start saving you and your team hours of time and brain energy every week, you can head to brookrichiebabbage.com backslash ChatGPT dash HQ and grab the workspace. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, where every week I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high-impact nonprofit. I'm your host, Rick Ritchie Babbage. Working to make the world a more just and beautiful place is messy, complex, heart-wrenching, and ultimately deeply joyful and fulfilling work. And none of us can do it alone. That's why I started this podcast this mastermind community, to hold space for and share the learnings and the questions and the grapplings and the actual concrete strategies that allow us to move our social impact work forward together. So welcome to the mastermind. I'm so glad you're here. So this week, I am doing a quick strategy hit about something that really is part of the underpinning of organizational growth. And that is what I call organizational playbooks. I didn't I didn't actually make that up. I just really like organizational playbook as opposed to what some people call them standard operating procedures, process guides. I use all three of those interchangeably, but I like playbook and we'll use that here because it implies that they are team oriented and responsive. They are documents and collections of documents that grow with the organization that are 
really about how people actually do the work, right? The plays that they use in their work. And it can also just feel more accessible when you're talking to people who are not ops people than SOPs. So for some of you, your eyes are already glazing over, but stick with me for just a moment. I want to make the case that having an organizational playbook is actually how you free up your time to focus on the kinds of activities that grow your organization, high leverage activities like planning and partnerships and thought leadership. Playbooks are also how you can take as a group a systematic approach to really identifying the organizational outcomes that you all collectively care about and that are working and leaning into those. And finally, an organizational playbook is how you keep your whole team aligned as you grow. So they're really fundamental to your growth, to the sort of backbone and underpinning of what makes growth work. So I want to quickly acknowledge a few things that can make this feel sort of blech to some folks. First, the whole topic of creating systems can feel cumbersome like spending time on things that aren't exactly rubber on the road. You might look at your team and think we're small, we talk all the time, why are we taking time we don't have to go back and write down things? If, you know, Josie's the one person doing things, why does Josie need to write that down? And I talk about that a lot with folks that have small tight-knit teams that they've been working with for a while. You may have tried to develop an SOP or a process guide or a playbook of, of sorts, but it didn't stick. And so you feel like we've tried that. It doesn't work for us. We wasted our time writing things down and nobody actually uses the document. They don't refer to them. You could also be wary of doing this because your way of working as a team feels organic and shifting and you want to make sure that you remain nimble and responsive as you grow. And all of these are super valid and real. And my response to all of them is the same. Developing organizational playbooks or SOPs is like sharpening your ax. It's preparing for what can feel like the chaos of growth. It's leaning into systems and answering questions intentionally and carefully and slowly so that when you are in a situation where you want to be nimble, where you need to be responsive, where you're moving quickly, where you're hiring people, where you're trying to catch up with the work, you've already done the tough thinking of, hey, what about how we work is good? And what are the habits and practices we actually don't want to be repeating, even if they perhaps come more naturally to us? An organizational playbook means you aren't depending on people's idiosyncrasies about how the roles should be carried out as you bring on new people and flesh out your team, which is obviously a, a core part of growing. It also means that operationalizing your strategic plan so that you and your team have a structured, clear, and agreed upon set of processes that everyone understands means you can stick to your strategic plan much more as you grow together and move together towards impact. 
It can also cut down on the amount of time you spend putting out fires in your organization, so many of which are created by lack of clarity between people, lack of accountability, balls dropping in processes. So naming those processes and giving people a document they can go back to and check in on, oh, wait, what's supposed to happen here? is really, really helpful so that they don't have to come to you and so that things don't turn into fires. And finally, as you grow and as you get more comfortable delegating to a leadership team and moving out of the weeds of your organization, you can trust that you can delegate and that you'll still get the level of consistency and excellence that you care about. So let's make this real. How do you actually build out a playbook? I'm going to walk through six sort of steps in the process, six things to think about. First, start by creating a document for every core function in your organization. Another way to think about this is a sort of bucket or area of work. Some examples might be fundraising, communications, hiring, volunteer recruitment, volunteer management. Others depend on the workflows in your particular organization. You might have a core function around partnerships or data management, for example. Two, within each of those buckets, document actual workflows. Just ask people who are currently doing work in each of those buckets of work to make a list of what they do. Things they monitor, things they create, tasks that they complete. If you were to hire someone, this is a great question to ask, if you were to hire someone and then go on vacation, what are the topics you'd want to cover with that person? What would you hand them so that they could carry your job out while you were gone? Now, the really important thing here is you don't just want to have your SOP or your playbook reflect what is in the job description. It's really important that they reflect how people are actually working, what they are actually doing. This is also why you don't want to hire someone to create your SOPs or your playbooks for folks. Um, sometimes I talk with folks about bringing in somebody to sort of um, do a process guide. We don't want to do that because that, that's how you wind up with a document that nobody actually uses or sticks to. You want these to actually be a reflection of, how, of the, the flow of the work, the, the playbook <laughs> that people create that reflects the plays they use on the field, right? The work that, the way that they do the work. Third, keep it nimble. As soon as you do anything that will be done repeatedly, a part of your workflow that you realize is essential to the workflow, document it. ID processes that you will repeat. As things change, update that process so that it actually reflects how people are truly working. Fourth, build it into your culture. Make walking through the entire playbook, the combination of your various individual standard operating procedures, part of your onboarding when you hire people. Make updating the individual SOPs or the entire playbook part of something you do as a team. My organization used to host ops days. Our director of operations would host these two hour sort of half day, well, two, two hours to half day, depending on, <laughs> depending on how serious or, or deep the topic was. But every quarter we'd spend about two hours of ops time. And she called these ops days and ops as in operations. And it would include a review and an update of the entire playbook or things that had changed. People could 
come to these ops times with their own changes to SOPs or updates about how their own workflow had changed. And it gave people sort of built in time into how we worked as an organization for people to reflect on, wait, my work has changed in the last three months. This one part of the process, I found a better way to do it. Let me note that and share that. So you want to make updating the SOPs part of the work that people do. In particular, if there's part of a workflow that somebody explicitly owns, if you have, say, a Mocha or a Racy or a Darcy or some other kind of project man management structure that you've identified for your team and you have an owner, which I also highly recommend, then have updating the SOPs be part of the what the owner does. Right? They own that workflow. Fifth, in terms of structure of your playbook, think about three core elements. Your procedures. These are your processes, checklists. This is the step-by-step, -step, this is what I do in my work. The second bucket, references. Any documents that are part of what you reference in your work. So if you have a director of operations or say you have someone that does your development work, do they reference standard reports in QuickBooks? right? And have those be part of the playbook. And then finally, templates. Are there standard emails that go out? Are there standard models of language for social media? Are there standard letters that go to partners or volunteers, etc.? So procedures, references, and templates are really sort of the three core elements of your playbook. I also really like Loom videos, which are little videos that you can make really easily on your computer to share your screen and walk through processes that are done online. This can be saved as part of your playbook and used for onboarding, used for training new roles, used for bringing everybody on your team onto the same page to standardize practices and protocols. Finally, six, update, update, update. This is a working document. So I know I talked in step four about building this into your culture in part by walking through the playbook and building time to update. It's so important that I'm naming it again. <laughs> update. This is not a static document. Make sure that people use them and refer to them and update them. It's a shared part of your workflow. If a workflow emerges within a bucket of work that's better, update the SOP, replace the SOP. This allows you to balance organizational growth with intentionality, being nimble and responsive with systematizing and adding a level of standardization that ensures quality and excellence and consistency. So that's my quick tip for the week. I will add that if you would like to kickstart creating a playbook for your organization, I have added a bundle of templates for some core areas of nonprofit work into the resource hub, the nonprofit leadership resource hub, which is where I have gathered and update monthly templates, tools, webinar trainings, resource guides, and how-tos all to take some of the work of executing what I talk about here on the podcast and what you all do in your work, take that low leverage execution off your plate. So it's a nonprofit leadership resource hub. You can access it at richiebabbage.com backslash nonprofit resource hub. 
I will be off next week, so I will see you all back here after Labor Day for more Mastermind. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you think what we talk about here, the trainings and the guests and the conversations could benefit another leader in your life, I'd love if you would leave a review and share with your friends. If you want to take the next step and begin to put into practice what we talk about on this podcast, I've created a toolkit where I collect and share downloads from many of our conversations. It's got templates, worksheets, and references to help you execute on what we talk about here on The Mastermind. There's lots of great stuff, and I add to it almost every week. You can download it at richiebabbage.com backslash architecture of impact toolkit. I also want to share another free resource for leaders of growing nonprofits. It's a free training that's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There, the four questions you need to ask to know if your nonprofit is really ready to scale. Growing an organization doesn't happen by accident, as we all know. You have to take the right strategic steps at the right time to avoid overwhelm and burnout and that horrible feeling that so many of us have had as you watch the work of your organization outstrip capacity and sometimes even funding. It's almost impossible to reverse engineer good growth. And by that, I mean growth that can be sustained over time just by looking at what you think you see in other organizations. So in this free training, I help cut through all the noise and I identify the four simple questions that if you really engage with them and think about them, will tell you when you're ready to grow without frenzy, without overwhelm, and with the confidence that you're making the right moves for your organization. You can access the training at richiebabbage.com backslash ready to scale. If you'd like more leadership resources and strategies in your life, sign up for my weekly newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. Each week, I curate and share three articles, two resources, and a quote on a theme. You can get that at richiebabbage.com backslash leadership forward 321. That's all for now. Have a great week, and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind.